Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't, but I'm handling it. And one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. Today's guest is someone that I was thrilled to be bringing onto the podcast, Lisa Ann Walter. Known for her work as an actor in films like The Parent Trap, Bruce Almighty, Shall We Dance, War of the Worlds, and more, Lisa's also a creator, producer, writer, and comedian. She's even written a book titled The Best Thing About My Ass Is That It's Behind Me, which is composed of a collection of self-help essays for women based off of her real-life experiences. Lisa Ann recently joined her castmates this past July and took part in the reunion for the major motion picture, The Parent Trap, which released in 1998 and starred Lindsay Lohan, Dennis Quaid, and Natasha Richardson. With that being one of my favorite movies ever, I was beyond excited to discuss the reunion with Lisa Ann, but I was also so interested in learning about her career and all of the different projects she's worked on. I think for anyone interested in the entertainment industry and looking to venture out into projects of their own, you're going to love this conversation. So you know what to do, turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. Let's get into it. Lisa and Walter, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today. You're so welcome. You know what? This is my favorite thing to do is to get to interact with people who maybe came to know me through the Parent Trap, which has gotten a lot of press this week mm-hmm. because we did a reunion, obviously, for the first time. I'm sure you'll want to talk about it. And it's great. People are so lovely about sharing how the stuff that I do makes them feel. And, you know, not everybody gets that. You go to, we're all very aware right now, especially that there are people working frontline jobs that we owe our gratitude to. And Mm -hmm. not just the medical community, but, you know, people working grocery stores and all sorts of people out there that do jobs where they don't get applause. Right. I I try to say, you know, can I talk to your manager? I just want to say how great you are. I try to do that. Because, you know, people, people make time to complain a lot. Mm-hmm. But you don't always try to make a point to say, hey, this person's great at their job. Just so you know, give them a raise. They're awesome. And in my job, I get to hear you made me feel good. You you made me feel safe or comfortable or like if my parents were divorced, but I wasn't alone and you were kind of like family. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot tell you what an incredible thing that is to hear. It's It really has made my entire life's work um, worthwhile. So I'll get that out of it. And now, yeah. of course, I'm stuck I- at home like everybody <laughs> trying to find things to fill my time, like scrapbooking. Well, and that's the thing. I, I think right now with handling it, our podcast, I've really wanted to use this time to have conversations with everyone I possibly can. You know, I, I feel like right. we rarely have time to just sit down and find things we're passionate about and interested in. And I've taken this time during quarantine to really hone in on that and do it. And I, I've always been such a chatty Kathy. I <laughs> love to talk to people. And this has been like the most, I think, rewarding experience out of this whole process of the pandemic we're in is just having that extra time to have these conversations, like meaningful conversations and highlighting other people's stories and backgrounds and careers. And you, lady, have had a heck of a career. Um, I'm so yeah, I'm so excited to talk about it. So let's just get into the background 
of you. So you're from sort of the Northeast. You were born in Pennsylvania. I'm from Pennsylvania, actually. I was born and raised there. I live in New York now, but Wilkes-Barre, Scranton area. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have cousins in Scranton. Nice. Like, I don't even remember it. I was, we moved when I was six months old. Mm -hmm. And I had relatives that both my parents started off in New York City. And then my dad's side of the family all moved to like the Poconos and Scranton and, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of that area. And then the other side, my mother's Italian side, stayed in like the Staten Island, Long Island, Brooklyn. Like they went from little Italy, they spread out a little bit. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But but my dad got, um, he was a physicist with NASA, so I grew up in D.C. And we visited all of these relatives all the time. And when my, I met my husband very young when I was, in college and then I had my first baby the next year which is crazy young for people in my mm-hmm. generation you know right. that's, that's like that's like being a, a teenager practically yeah <laughs> um, his family was from Massachusetts so we used to drive that eastern seaboard and into Pennsylvania like every weekend with that right. baby we were just always on the road visiting family Yeah, (laughs) I know. I I like the Northeast and especially where I'm situated at. Like I live in New York right now, but I'm also very close to Pennsylvania. So I get to go home a lot. I'm actually in Pennsylvania currently. So, um, yeah, it's nice. I like it. Yeah, beautiful. Are you in the city in New York? Yeah, I live in Manhattan. And um, yeah, it's I've just been popping in and out um, into Pennsylvania in and out since the whole pandemic started just to get Mm-hmm. A change of scenery, a little more relaxing. Good, good. Yeah, it, my daughter um, went back east to go to grad school, and of course I was worried about her because she was in Jersey when it, things were really bad. And she's my—I have three boys and a girl. She's my baby girl, and mm-hmm. her boyfriend. Um, she went to Tufts, so she went to school in Massachusetts. Nice. from Connecticut. Yeah, so she she went to stay with his family in Connecticut. So I didn't get to see. She was supposed to come home in April and had to cancel her flight because they closed, you know, they shut right. down all the flights. Yeah. And I haven't seen her since. And I miss oh. her so much. I know. It's... She cooked with me. Oh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. tough. It's tough. I, I said, like, who knows when traveling is going to become sort of a normal thing to do again. Um, cause I, yeah, I haven't been traveling. I really, you know, haven't had an urge to go anywhere, um, especially to make like a cross country trip like that. It's crazy. And well, you know what, it, this whole year has been so weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's been so weird in some ways. And I hate to say this because there's so much wrong and scary and people are worried about finances and health and everything. And I had to move my mom, who's 85, out of her her assisted living to my house. So that's like a full-time job taking care of her. But I did it because she can't – I'm not going to get into the specifics, but she has health issues where she has a high comorbidity. And there was a bit of an outbreak in her place, so I moved her in here. We do what we have to do. But you know Uh what's wonderful – is I think that people are remembering what it is to have dinner with your family or all cook together Mm -hmm. or find a game to play together or just reconnect, find each other again. You know, we lose touch with people that are super important to us. Mm -hmm. And 
and, and get into fights over dumb things. And I think when things get really serious out in the world, we go, is that really important? I don't think so. It's not important. Right. Let's just, let's love each other. I mean, for God's sakes, Catherine, we've got uh, uh, UFOs. Yeah. <laughs> our, our government's like, yeah, they're not from here. And we all just <laughs> go, oh, of course, because it's 2020. So Exactly. <laughs> of course. We yeah. have UFOs. No, I completely agree. I feel like, especially in the past couple of years, we've lost, like, or at least maybe for me, I, I feel like we lose a sense of community, like coming together, yeah. um, enjoying mm-hmm. one another's company. And yeah, the, the pandemic, as awful as yeah. it's been, it's ha- there's been some blessings where it has allowed me to reconnect, um, strengthen my relationships with people. It's been great in that sense. In terms of working, I mean, how have you been doing as a creator, as someone in the entertainment industry? How has it been for you on your end? Well, I'm I'm really active in our union in SAG-AFTRA and mm-hmm. and how they've tried to connect with our, you know, our leader, our congressional leaders to try to um, do some protections over. Well, it's gig workers across the board. So we're all gig workers for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. We go job to job. Um, we work jo- jobs but don't necessarily get paid like a normal person does with W-2s where you know exactly how much you're going to make. So it's really hard to file for unemployment. So I'm also a board member with the SAG-AFTRA, and I head a bunch of committees, and I, I give way too much time <laughs> to the <laughs> union. But honestly, it's, it's taking care of brothers and sisters, like we were just Mm -hmm. talking about. It's looking out for other people. And I'm not, there's only a very, very small percentage of people in my business that make the kind of money that people in the community think we all make. Right. People think, because I saw you in a movie or I saw you on TV, you must be a gazillionaire and you have like a a gold limo (laughs) with a pool in it. And, you know, you're, you're, you know, eating diamonds for breakfast. And it's mostly that we're middle-class people. I'm just a single working mom Mm -hmm. trying to save money for my kids' college and pay my bills. So most people in the entertainment industry are that. And what's really scary is that, you know, a lot of times people go, um, well, support your local uh, restaurant, which here in California we've closed down again. Mm -hmm. And and of course that's terrible and it's scary. But you can get takeout restaurant food. True. You can't get takeout movie. Yeah. You, I mean, yes, you can. You can go to Netflix, <laughs> but in order to create in the production, content, right. Yes. We have to we have to be how are you gonna be an actor with a face mask and then they've got these all these new protocols that are like, Well, we're gonna you know, everybody's gonna put sanitizer on and then you're gonna wear your mask up until you're standing across from each other and mm-hmm. then we're gonna have this many takes to get that shot and then you're gonna be done. And I'm like, that work that way because what happens in my business is you set up the scene, you light it, you rehearse it, you go away, they fix the lights, and you come back and you act, and always something goes terribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have to relight it. We lost the light. The person didn't hit their mark. It's, it's not a, a perfect – you can get good at, at doing it, but it's not perfect. So sure. it's going to be a while till my business comes back. Mm-hmm. And what I'm doing – as a creator is trying to find ways that we can make some content that will be a fun, entertaining break from reality for people that doesn't rely on us having to 
you know, do it the way we've been doing it, you know, stand across from each other and act until we can come back to it, which Mm -hmm. hopefully will be soon. Soon. But but right now, (laughs) people are, are worried. Yeah. They're out of work. There's no end date for when this is going to be over. So it it's Mm-mm. a lot of adjusting and a lot of question marks. But again, we're just really handling it. We're, <laughs> we're all doing the best we can. And you know what's interesting is, again, if you look at it like, okay, as long as I'm healthy, my family's healthy, my children are okay, mm-hmm. I can weather anything. If we all have to live in a, a one-bedroom apartment and I go back to, you know, being a temp in an office, I could do that too. I'd still type a hundred words a minute. Mm -hmm. I have other skills. So I I think what we all do is we, especially people in my industry are used to kind of hustling. Yeah. You know, we, we don't look at it like, well, I, I'm in my job and I'm set and that's good. Of course, if you're a series regular on Grey's Anatomy, you're in good shape. You're Mm going to be there a minute. But if, if for the most part the people in the entertainment industry go change their jobs they go into a different project as a producer or they i'm going to take this on and do a a lot of people are doing um web series that they're shooting by themselves and that's a new part of the business Mm -hmm. is people could take their phone and shoot a tv series that and that's new and it's fantastic because it gives power to people who might not have ever sold anything or been able to tell their story you know what exactly, I mean? yeah. So always something you can do. It's never a time to say, oh, I give up. Right. There's always something you can try. Definitely. I completely agree. Well, and then, you know, for those who don't know, I was honestly very impressed looking into your background because you are, other than, you know, an actress, you're a creator, a writer, um, an executive producer. You've created series of your own. Um, it's very impressive, and I love coming oh, across. <laughs> I love coming across women in the entertainment industry, carving their path and doing their own thing. How did you get involved? I mean, what drove you to pursue a career in the entertainment industry? Well, I think I always wanted to perform. I I loved the. Um, I mean, I loved making people feel. From the time I was young, I started working professionally on stage. I was a stage actress first um, as a teenager, and I did dinner theater and musicals and summer stock and the State Theater of Maryland. I mean, I was working mm-hmm. in uh, in a lot of theater productions in, in D.C. and then off-Broadway in New York, and then I started doing stand-up. And the thing that was connected with all of that is that Looking out into an audience and making them laugh and cry, or sometimes do both at the same time, which is the best, mm-hmm. the best, is, uh, as I say in Steel Magnolias, laughter into tears is my favorite emotion. <laughs> um, but being able to create that, that catharsis, whether it's laughing because you recognize the truth in a moment or you know, sobbing, or like the I am Annie scene, which a lot of mothers connect to because they see, they recognize themselves as exactly what I was using internally in that moment is what if I hadn't seen this baby Mm -hmm. that I think of as mine for 11 years. And I think making people feel is what I got really um, addicted to. So it was sort of a selfish thing. I like the way I felt when I made people feel. 
-hmm. And that's what made me start in the business. But what made me, I always thought I'd be just, well, not just, but I thought (laughs) I would be a stage actress. And I would work in a repertory company like Arena Stage or the Guthrie or something really special. And then the the stand-up persona that I created got people excited at a time when comics, if they if they had this this kind of idea that people connected to like Roseanne did or Tim Allen, they got TV shows. Mm-hmm. And I did on the same night as Roseanne and Tim. And I think that's what pushed me to the next level of being able to do the movies and, you know, I created those series. But I'd always been someone, even when I was a, a kid, who me and my sister and our next-door neighbors, who were two girls our, our ages, our exact ages, started creating a newsletter for the neighborhood about politics when we were like 10. I love I that. Mean, it was really <laughs> kind of silly. But but I had ideas that I was excited about. When I was a little kid, very little, the ERA had just been introduced, did not pass. I was mm-hmm. like, what? What do you mean the whole country isn't <laughs> passing this immediately? And I started getting Ms. Magazine and getting really involved in becoming an activist at that age. Amazing. So the idea, yeah, well, so the idea that I could create something, that I could have an idea and then make it go on TV so that it could maybe reflect the experience of what I thought was an underserved audience, which was women. You know, mo- most stories at that time were not told from our point of view. Mm-hmm. So I thought, I never thought to myself, this is too hard, I shouldn't try it. Never. Right. I just went, oh, yeah, of course I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think if I had known more, I might have been deterred. But I was stupid enough to think that it wasn't that big a deal. Well, that's a really great sort of energy to have and drive to have. Um, I, and I've talked about this on the podcast before because, you know, we did a series a couple weeks ago with women in the entertainment industri- industry and for me, I've always wanted to pursue, maybe I shouldn't say a career, but just to have an outlet in, I love film. I studied film in, in college and, you know, mm-hmm. I worked in media, so I have a background in production work and I've always wanted to produce or, or write a screenplay or direct, even if it's like a short story of my own, um, I, I've always wanted to do that and had the desire to do it, but just told myself, like, nope, you, you can't be a female director. That's for, like, the Greta Gerwigs of the world and, like, very talented, accomplished women like that. But the more women I talk to, like yourself, um, and, and seeing all of the things that they've been able to accomplish, it's just like, well, yeah, I can, I can go out there. I could direct a film if I want to. Like, maybe it won't be a huge success. Could. Yeah, but, like, let's do it. Starting with a short... <laughs> Starting with a short is is exactly the right way to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Greta Gerwig only was Greta Gerwig because she wrote something and because she, right. she then directed, right? So I think the first step, what you do is you write something, you write a short that people say write what you know. I think that you write something you have to say mm-hmm. and, and make sure that it is a, a script that can be done, like, Look at the location. So when you're writing, you say, okay, can this be accomplished? If you want to shoot it yourself and not look for money, mm-hmm. you shoot a, a short piece, and there are ways that you can make it union without it being terribly, terribly expensive because they try to make short format easily accessible and, um, 
you know, doable for people right. like yourself who just want to do their own projects. And you do defer payment to all the people that you use. You know, you're not using stars. You just pay, you put, uh, mm -hmm. if this makes any money, I owe you $1,000 or whatever it is, right? Right. So it's an easy thing to do. You, there's books you can buy that tell you how to do it. But I think for anybody that wants to create, the easiest thing in the world right now to do, especially since we all have a lot of downtime, is to think about what it is you want to do, whether it's building a website or creating a, a company or making content like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. you, you short format it, and then you figure out the cheapest way you can get it done. And now you have a sales tool. You have a marketing tool, right? Whether mm -hmm. you ever make any money with that initial project or not, you have the, the leg up. That gives you the, you know, hey, look, this this thing I did. Maybe right. you get hired on something, or maybe it gives you the next job. Anyway, right. that's my little piece of advice. No, yeah, that's it. that's great. And I, I've been trying to establish that, that motto or that concept in my head. Like, we, I feel like as people, and especially as women, we tend to generate a lot of reasons why we shouldn't do something. And just yeah. lately, and I've been like, let's apologize. do it. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, lately I've just been like, I, I have the time, like, let's, you know, craft some ideas. Let's figure it out. And um, yeah, so I've just, I've been trying to have that mindset. Not, okay, like, well, I shouldn't do it, but like, let's, let's do it, you know? Well, I say that's what you should do. And then the next time I listen to your podcast, I, I hear, I get to hear that you've like come up with an idea and you're writing it now. It doesn't have to be more than, you know, five, ten pages. You could write, you could write an eight-page short. Sure. Shoot it with an iPhone. As long as you do outside location so you don't have to worry about shadows and weird mm -hmm. lighting, just shoot it outside, and you get an easy editing program like iMovie, and you're done. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, let's do yeah, it. Let's, yeah, I'm going to, like, manifest that. Let's do it. It's, I, I, again, I create so many reasons for why I shouldn't. And, yeah, I think this time during quarantine, like, we have all the time in the world, like you said. Like, let's create projects. And, <laughs> well, and this holds true. It's not just for creative stuff. But I will say this to anybody that's listening. There is nothing in between you having an idea and at least taking the first step towards accomplishing it other than you telling yourself, well, that's other people can do that, but you know, they're Greta Gerwig. Other mm -hmm. people can do that, but their, their parents, a millionaire. Does it help having a parent who, you know, bank rolls you into whatever your first gig is? Absolutely. I did not. We lived in what was the ghetto in my neighborhood. <laughs> you know, you, you don't, need any of that you figure out a way to take the first step of what you want to do and you just start doing it you just yeah. start just start by even if the first attempt is wrong and turns out terrible okay you made the first attempt and then you learn from it and now you make the next step yeah and, and that's the only difference that's the only difference between you and Greta Gerwig is she did the first job she did the first thing mm -hmm. so you do the first thing Right. Yeah. If you're that motivated and that passionate about something, um, yeah, I think what's to stop you? Right. Well, exactly. amazing. <laughs> I feel like we just shot a master class. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. Let's inspire because truthfully, the other alternative is just we all sit here and eat carbs, which is right. my other job. Yeah. <laughs>
Amazing. But yeah, so um, in in addition to all of that, you are an actor, as we talked about. um, And one of your most iconic roles is in Disney's The Parent Trap. Uh, You played Chessie, the housekeeper, more, I like to say more caretaker for the Parker family, which was Nick and Hallie Parker, played by Dennis Quaid and Lindsay Lohan. So yeah, I'm totally not going to geek out, um, even though I've seen this film a hundred thousand times growing up. Um, But I just want to know, what was it like being a part of such an iconic film like that? A blessing. Mm -hmm. A blessing. I mean, as we were um, discussing, I, it's just, there's, there is such great pride in being connected to something that when people hear my voice, it's usually when they figure out who I am. I don't necessarily look like I looked in the movie, you know, my hair is a different color and I'm usually a little more glammed up, but (laughs) I think people recognize my voice and my energy and attitude and they're always so lovely. And I'm grateful that I get to be connected to a memory that they have or a feeling that they have that is good and safe and warm. And, I mean, it's a Disney classic. It's, it's, it's incredible that, you know, I was part of it. And, right. and the doing of it was so much fun. I mean, there was not – I talked about this when we had the reunion. There was not anybody on the set, anybody in the cast, that I didn't adore. It was just a wonderful experience top to bottom. I mean, and for anybody who has not seen this film, well, there's going to be spoilers. We're going to be talking spoilers because like, oy vey, like you just have to watch it. But your character, uh, Lisa Ann Chessie, she was so amazing in so many ways. Not only was she, to me, a really lovable character and a maternal figure for Hallie Parker, but she was also like, kind of a smart ass, which was really enjoyable. <laughs> um, you actually had one of my favorite lines in the film. Uh, it's the scene where Meredith Blake, played by Elaine Hendricks, uh, she has like a little bell that she uses for Chessie, yes. which in the hey, film... Chessie, <laughs> <you rang. laughs> right. That, oh my gosh. That is one of my favorite lines. I think that actually taught me like at such a young age, like what sarcasm was like that was the definition of sarcasm for me (laughs) well thank you thank you i I, it is probably one of my favorite lines to do and here's a little secret i don't know if you know this but elaine and i are best friends in real life yes i do yes she often calls me and says chessie and then i say (laughs) you rang we, we recreate it quite often. <laughs> That's in fact, she threatened that she's going to get a bell, and I told her I'm going to punch her in the head if she does. So <laughs> she's not allowed to ring for me. <laughs> I love that. Well, and that's what I want to get into because in July, journalist Katie Couric actually organized a reunion of the Parent Trap cast in response to COVID-19 relief. And I can't believe it's been 22 years, and this is the first time an actual, <laughs> it's the first time like an actual the cast has come together. I know. Isn't that weird? I mean, I, you know, truthfully, when you do a movie, you might spend three months to six months together. We were together straight through for like four months, and then we, you know, some went away. We came back to the to the studio to Sony. We did some locations. It took a long time to shoot, and we mm. were together on and off for a, a, quite a bit of time. Right. And like I said, Elaine and I became best friends, and we stayed seeing each other 
after that experience. We did, you know, charity events together. We wrote a screenplay together for a movie. We put projects together. We help each other move. We sleep at each other's house when we're in, you know, whatever town. Where if we, since we haven't lived in the same town, which we were both in Los Angeles for a long time, but then Elaine moved first to New York, then to Atlanta. And you know, when she comes here, she sleeps in my bed. We're we're <laughs> very that. very close to each other. Simon and I stayed close. I actually talk a lot to Lindsay Lohan's dad. I ran mm-hmm. into Dennis um, because he was doing a TV show with one of my best friends, Michael Chiklis, and his family are some of my best friends in the business, and they did the show Vegas together. Sure. So I've run into other people here and there, besides Elaine, who I see all the time, and you don't. we never had anything official. We never said, hey, let's all get together. And you don't really do that on after a, a movie. You know, maybe a TV series, if you work together for mm-hmm. five years, You'll say, oh, we need to have a reunion. But on a movie, you're, you're close as close can be for that three to five months. And then you don't ever really see each other again at the reunion, <laughs> at the, uh, sorry, at the premiere. You see each other. Mm-hmm. You know, you walk the red carpet. Oh, my God, how are you? But you don't, you don't really see each other. Your family and then you're a uh, bye-bye. Right. But I think with this one, there's sort of a weird connection that we have anyway because we're so present in people's lives Mm -hmm. so even if we are not seeing each other all the time the world is seeing us they keep like you say they keep re-watching the movie and being the mom of four I know what it is to have a kid be obsessed with a movie it's it's like in they're playing it every night yeah you know it my daughter had that with um Jerry Maguire and Reese. <laughs> and there were a couple, it was never my movie, but there were a couple of movies that she played them every night. Mm-hmm. And and I think when you have a special relationship like that to the cast of a movie, and now with social media, you can reach out and talk to them or see what they're doing, you feel very connected. So yeah. although we hadn't physically all gotten together, which is, you know, I'm not I'm not surprised that we didn't. But we stayed in touch here and there. Like, I was always up on what Lindsay was doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, and a, a couple of, every other month or so, uh, Simon and I, Simon, because we played Martin, and I would talk, like, on Instagram. So we do stay in touch, but just not all together at one time. Right. Yeah, and, you know... Like I said, there was the whole reunion. It was Lindsay Lohan, Dennis Quaid, uh, Simon Coons, as you mentioned, Elaine Hendricks, and then director and writer Nancy Myers and writer and producer Charles Shire. And it was just yes. such a pleasant surprise to just, again, it's quarantine, weird time we're in. So much is happening that like really anything goes at this point. And when I found out that Katie Kirk was doing this, I just thought, absolutely amazing this is something I feel like the world needs (laughs) just a fun happy just moment like that yeah she was real smart she and Nancy were talking and then and then Nancy reached out and because I I had everybody's contact she was like well can you get me everybody's email and so I did I immediately sent her everybody's email and phone numbers and I was like absolutely we need to do this and um, it took a while because we were trying to make it happen, and then it didn't, and then we were trying to make it happen again, and 
you know, everything being in flux in the world, it just sometimes it feels like it's not the right time. Right. And then finally we were like, okay, we're, there's a lull. Before the UFOs land, let's do this reunion. Mm-hmm. And, and so we made it happen. It great. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was so amazing. Um, and it, it was just lovely to see the whole cast. It was bittersweet, obviously. Natasha Richardson, who passed tragically in 2009, uh, mm-hmm. she was not there. But it, it was just so great to see the whole cast together again. It really was. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes, we all miss Natasha. She was absolutely lovely. Absolutely yeah. wonderful. And that's great to too. hear. Yeah, because she, at least, you know, to me, I always had just the image and I guess the reputation of her just being this elegant and graceful person. So that's so great to yeah. hear. Yeah, she was, she was elegant and graceful and sassy and funny and all of those things. And, and it's just a great and also a wonderful mother and so in love with her husband. So for all those reasons, it was, you know what? It's always tragic when somebody dies, and, mm-hmm. you know, she's certainly in it way too young, and because of a dumb accident. I'm telling you, the next year I had my kids, we were out, out skiing, um, I think it was Lake Tahoe, Squaw Valley, and people weren't really wearing helmets yet all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, people were, but not all the time. And I remember my, my son sort of waiting down at the bottom, just almost like Natasha was, was waiting down at the bottom with... Uh, not really into the lift line yet, and his feet went out, and he fell back and hit his head kind of on a little um, wood block, mm-hmm. just, just almost exactly like Natasha, and I freaked out. I got, I had the, the um, EMTs there and, you know, checking to make sure that the eyes were okay, and I, they never were allowed to do anything without helmets after that. Right. It was, it was so scary. So, I mean, it's just it's it's just sad. She meant a lot to a lot of people, but just as a a person in her family, um, she was just so she loved them so much. So it was very sad. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and like you said, I think the whole film in general meant a lot to so many people. And I'm sure you get asked this a ton. But what was your favorite? I mean, was there a favorite memory? Was there a favorite scene you had? Well, I think people really respond to the I Am Annie scene, and it was probably the hardest scene to shoot for Mm me, um, just because it required real truthful and difficult emotional memories, um, but it was the most rewarding. So I I loved that. Um, I I really liked doing You Rang, because (laughs) every single time we did it, I would come out there and do something just a little bit different. I'm usually, my delivery is pretty much I decide what I'm going to do and what's funny for me, mm-hmm. and then I stay with it. But in this one, I just did something different every time, and every time I did it, they would bust out laughing. Like, we had to hold for it to, <laughs> you know, finish, for, the, for Nancy to say cut, and then we would all die laughing. And I remember Elaine, when the camera was on me, was crying like she cried her makeup off because I was making her laugh so hard with the, my response <laughs> and, and and looking to Dennis and that was fun and then the scene one of my favorites was the scene in the um in the hotel where everybody comes together and it's kind of like a throwback to a 30 screwball comedy and there's one person passing one way another person passing another way I love doing that I loved getting yanked along by the dog Mm-hmm. There was one take right before that that I did that 
uh, right before the one they used, where she said, make the dog pull Lisa harder. And the dog, they gave the dog <laughs> a command, and he yanked me, like, off my feet. And I went sprawling in front of, like, as soon as we landed on the on our mark, I went, I wiped out. See, I just face planted, and I lifted my head up and went, too much? <laughs> and I, I wish I wish we had that as an outtake somewhere because I've never seen it, but that was fun. I like doing that whole scene. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the writing, honestly, and like speaking honestly about it, I think the writing was really clever in the film. Um, just the whole idea of going from, okay, you're at camp, then you're in London, then you're in California, and just the back and forth, all these different characters. It was a crazy, complicated, but really lovely script, I'm sure. Yeah, 100%, and one that was so carefully uh, crafted that it did not need a lot of, um, it didn't need any zhuzhing. You know, so many scripts these days are the cast ad-libbing, and that's fun. I mean, who doesn't like a good Judd Apatow Mm -hmm. movie? It's a lot of fun (laughs) when you see funny people just being funny off the cuff. But this movie just had carefully crafted moments, and, and it all, you know, led up to a, uh, to a great romantic, um, family-friendly conclusion. And I think that those types of movies are, one that speaks to kids as well as to grown-ups are very rare, mm-hmm. very rare. Um, and having been a mom of these kids for decades now, my oldest is old, um, but there are a lot of years where I've watched family movies, and most of them, okay, I took my kid to see it, I went to the theater like a good mom. There's a lot of ones that I like and I could watch over and over again, like a lot of the Disney musicals like Beauty and the Beast and The Little Mermaid. These are all great movies. Right. But but a lot of the live action ones, I'm like, this is not, I do not need to see, no offense, but yeah. I don't need to see High School Musical more than one. You know, that, that's good. I got it. Mm-hmm. But I think this movie, because it had, because Dennis Quaid was so dreamy, and and adult women really thought liked him and thought he was sexy. Mm-hmm. And because Lindsay was so winning as a child actress and adorable, but kind of older and wiser than her years and relatable, it's the whole cast, everybody, and Elaine and Simon, everybody was so good that it stands the test of time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be involved. Yeah, it's such a timeless film. Haven't you had enough of me yet? (laughs) Your people are going to be bored. (laughs) Could listen all day. Um, yeah, and I, I completely agree. I think that was the same case even with the first film, the first, you know, the original, The Parent Trap. Um, I had actually, it was so funny. A couple years ago, Haley Mills was on an off-Broadway production, and I actually went, and it was so crazy seeing her, you know, as now uh, an adult <laughs> and not a child. Um, it, it was just wild, but even that, you know, so many people, um, my parents' generation, they love the original. They love the remake. It, it's just, I think the plot, the characters, it just makes for a really timeless movie. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> of course. Well, Lisa Ann, before you go, um, since this is mm-hmm. handling it and we're really all just trying to navigate life in our own way, handling ups and downs as they go along, what's a piece of advice throughout your career or, you know, something that you've learned along the way that's really helped you in your life? When I first started, um, 
in, you know, like in serious acting class. Um, I had a teacher at the arena stage in D.C. who said to me, Stan, the great Stanley Anderson, we were, I was doing a scene from Streetcar Named Desire, and I was doing it really serious, you know, because that's a drama, it's Tennessee Williams. And he said to me, let me ask you a question. And I was sort of the same type figure that I am now. He goes, do you think you're fat? And I went, I, yeah, I guess. He goes, do you think you're funny? And I said, yeah, yeah, I think I'm funny. He goes, do you think you're sexy? And I was like, oh, no, maybe. Okay, yeah. And he goes, do, we, do you think I'm fat? He was a little heavy. I said, okay, maybe. He's like, do you think I'm funny? Yes. think I'm sexy? I'm like, all the girls thought he was sexy. I said, <laughs> yeah. And he goes, let me tell you something. There was a girl who came in here at the beginning of this semester, this uh, season, mm-hmm. and was making fun of herself and cracking everybody up and just was fully 100% authentic and herself all the time. And it was, it was completely charismatic. You couldn't look away. And then you take on this thing where you think you're supposed to be serious and it all goes away. And I said, well, I thought it was supposed to be drama. And he goes, let me, let me tell you something. You're sexy and you're funny and you need to use it in everything you do all the time. Don't take away any part of yourself because you think you, you can't be that. Use 100% of who you are all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was the best advice I ever got. And I went, he's like, yeah, you're sexy, you're funny, use it. So I extrapolated that. I mean, that was specific to that work and that scene. But what I extrapolated that was don't ever be less than 100% yourself. Mm-hmm. Show up to everything being at full volume. And you don't have to be loud, <laughs> but being fully yourself mm-hmm. because you're not going to get another shot. Do everything you can. And that's my advice. Awesome. Yeah. Authenticity is important. And I think also just being your own cheerleader, cheer yourself on sometimes, be that person for yourself, um, especially yeah. as women. That's really important to remember. Yeah. Well, awesome. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on and discussing your incredible and fabulous career with us. Oh, well, you are entirely welcome. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, I hope you all enjoyed hearing from Lisa Ann. Not only did I love getting to discuss different projects and work that she's done, but I so adored the advice that she was giving, and I hope it was able to reach some of you. I highly encourage you all to check out Lisa Ann on Instagram. Her handle will be listed in the episode description below. That way you'll be able to follow along with all of her upcoming projects. So thank you, Lisa Ann, so much for coming on, and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at Handling It Podcast. And feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode. But until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.